A man was waiting at an airport for a long-distance flight. His flight was delayed, and so he had a little spare time. He saw a deal on some cookies and thought he should treat himself. He bought quite a few cookies because he thought it might be quite a long delay. He took a seat near a man and started to read the magazine he also picked up earlier. He exchanged a glance with the other man and then tried to avoid eye contact as he went back to reading. While he was engrossed in his magazine, he happened to see that the man sitting beside him boldly grabbed a cookie from the container. He initially ignored the incident to avoid a scene. He grabbed a cookie himself and went back to his magazine. But the man seemed to have enjoyed the cookie so much, he took another one and started eating it too. This continued for a while, and with each passing moment, he began to get more and more irritated. Every time he took a cookie, so did the other man. When the last cookie was left, the man nervously took that cookie and broke it in half. He offered the other to the man and smiled. The man took the cookie and could not believe the other man's nerve. He was thinking in his head, how ungrateful could that man be? The other man then left and took the container with him. This guy couldn't believe what had just happened. He was relieved when his flight was called. He gathered his belongings. As he lifted his bag, he saw that there was a full container of cookies right there. He was totally shocked, totally surprised. It caught him off guard. He thought to himself, "If my cookies are here, then wait. Those cookies were his. The other man had shared his cookies." Whilst he was thinking, he was the one doing the sharing. Whilst he was angry and irritated, the other man was being generous and kind. He felt so bad for what had happened, but he couldn't find the other man anywhere, and didn't know how to apologize. Things are not always as they appear. Sometimes we make quick assumptions about people, circumstances, and situations. We judge them. Label them and put them into a box, not recognizing that there is a much bigger picture. Sometimes we meet someone in a particular state, stage, or phase of their life, and stereotype them to be a certain way. Don't be so quick to judge. You never know when you might find yourself walking in someone else's shoes. And remember, the best apology is changed behavior. Let's open up with prayer this morning. Father, we come to you open. We come to you expectantly. We come to you humbly. And we ask for you to work in us. Father, may we hear the message this morning that you have. May I be simply the vessel, simply the messenger, with the message coming from you through me, through your Holy Spirit, to each heart here this morning. I thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, good morning, Elevating Life Church. And let me say good morning too to all Christ followers everywhere who are joining us via social media this morning. Uh, it always amazes me uh, the number of people 
um, and the, the wide area. Uh, we literally have people on given Sundays who are joining us from all over the world. On, uh, and, and think about that. Isn't that amazing how uh, somebody in Kenya, for example, can be watching a um, worship service in Fort Morgan, Colorado in real time and joining with us. That's amazing. God, thank you for technology. Don't be scared of it. It's a gift from God. Um, my name is John Waters. For those of you that don't know me, I am the lead pastor here at ELC. Uh, and as always, let me say, it is my absolute distinct pleasure to be bringing you the message this morning in the absence of our senior pastor, Drake Hunter, who Carrie uh, talked about earlier is on sabbatical right now. Um, he will be back with us beginning in March. And so we're excited for him and for Sherry that they get to do that. They get to go and recharge and do some other things for a while. And then uh, uh, we're very excited to see what happens as a result of that when they come back. And uh, it's going to be an amazing thing. I have no doubt about that. My goal this morning is to continue moving us forward in being... Okay, team, say it with me. You ready? Mo better together. Yeah, that is our theme this year. We truly are mo better together. That's the way God designed it. We're not designed to be alone and in a cave somewhere. We're designed to be in community. Carol used that word with me earlier this morning. To be in community together. That's how God designed it. And uh, if you truly want to live in God's goodness then you have to be with others who are of like mind. Okay? So we join together because we are more better together. Um, I hope the video that we showed here this morning inspires you in some way. Uh, not to have cookies, although that could be it, but, but rather to understand how quick we are to judge other people based upon... What? We don't really take the time to get to know them. And this morning, we're going to talk about justice. And in order to begin that, I wanted to show this video because it points out what justice is not. And that is, it's not judging others based on situations and based on appearances, based on ethnic background, based on socioeconomic standing, based on... <gasps> Their religious beliefs, we are not to judge that. That's not our job. In fact, Jesus said, judge not. I think he was serious about that. Um, that's God's job, not mine. My job is not to judge. My job is to love and uh, to ensure that the justice of God is practiced. And today, I hope to help all of us understand that a little bit better. So, this morning, we're continuing our exploration of the epic story of God. That's what we're doing this year, uh, the epic story of God in the Bible. And the message this morning is entitled, To Judge or Not to Judge. Now, a few weeks ago, if you were with us, or if you remember, Pastor Drake introduced us to Superman, the Superman of the Bible, Moses. 
Last week, he introduced us to Batman, which is not Pastor Matt, even though he has the mask. Batman in the Old Testament is Joshua. This week, I'm going to talk about a group of individuals who, while certainly not perfect and sometimes not even very good people, were used by God to help the nation of Israel to move closer to His perfect will. In the Bible, this group of people is known as judges. I like to think of them as the Justice League of the Old Testament. How many of you are familiar with the Justice League from the DC Comics universe? Okay. Yeah, the Justice League is a, uh, uh, as Carrie alluded to, a group of superheroes who uh, come together. They have their own particular skills. They have their own particular abilities. And they come together to fight injustice. Each member is independent, but when needed, they come together to work with and to support each other as they fight injustice. And while the judges in the Old Testament didn't work together, they came in succession, they were all called for the same purpose. And that is fighting injustice that had replaced God's justice within the nation of Israel. Okay, so you with me on all that? Kind of where we're at? Okay, good. I was hoping so. Let's look at our core verse this morning to begin this chapter in the epic story of God. We're going to go to the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 1. And uh, this particular, I'm, I'm using the New King James Version of this, so it may be different than what you're reading in your Bible or on your Version app or whatever it is you use, but um, I like the way this one reads. I think it points it out well, so... Uh, as we continue the epic story of God, it says, again, now stop right there. What does that tell us? This isn't the first time. It's happened before. And we're going to talk about that. Again, the children of Israel did evil, or we could say injustice, in the sight of the Lord. And it's the proper noun for Lord, uh, all capital letters. That's the proper God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Wow. Cracking the whip. How many of you have ever read through the book of Judges in the Old Testament? If you haven't, I would recommend that you do. Because the book of Judges, um, I have to say, you've really missed out on a great story if you haven't read it, it's some exciting reading. It really is. When you read through the book of Judges, it has a little bit of everything that make up a good Hollywood thriller movie. It has intrigue. It has uh, lawlessness. It has good guys and bad guys. And, and it's, a, it's really quite a roller coaster ride through the book of Judges. A cast of characters ranging from very, very good to very, very bad, and everything in between. So to set the scene, let me give you a little bit of background. If you remember last week, uh, Batman, I'm sorry, Joshua, that's the only joke in the whole thing, so come on. 
Joshua just led the people of Israel into the promised land. Moses died and Joshua uh, was tasked by God with leading the Israelites into the promised land, which he did. And uh, while Joshua was still alive, they were able to drive out many of the inhabitants of the land. The Philistines, or, or in some versions it says Canaanites. But they didn't drive out all of them. There was still a lot of work left to be done after Joshua died. The problem is, though, Israel had kind of gotten used to living with these people and began intermarrying with them and adopting their cultural ways and adopting their idol worship adopting their religious practices like, oh, I don't know, sacrificing their own children, things, you know, like that. Yeah, that's where we're at in the story. That's where the Hebrew children, the children of Israel, were in the promised land that God had given them. They settled into a pattern that would be repeated over and over and over again. Remember the first word in our core verse? Again. It wasn't the first time. The nation, here's the pattern. So the nation of Israel would, they would sin against God by following the ways and the customs of the Philistines, which would lead to him giving them over to oppression or slavery by the Philistines. Then, the Hebrew people would in turn repent of their sin, reach out to God, and God being merciful and graceful and full of forgiveness, He would forgive them. He would deliver them from the oppression, which would then lead to a period of peace. However, with peace would come complacency, which would lead back in to the people again sinning against God, and the cycle would start again. It happens over and over in the book of Judges. About ten times, actually. We see that cycle play out in the book of Judges. As you can imagine, God was not pleased. <laughs> so He began sending men and women called judges in to lead the nation back on the right path. Now, I want to clarify when I say judges, I'm not talking about a, a man or a woman in a black robe sitting behind a bench in district court handing out uh, verdicts on things and saying you're guilty, you're not guilty, or whatever the case may be. That's not what I'm talking about here when I say judges in the Old Testament. These were more like military leaders. Okay, They were fighters. In most cases, they were more than willing to kill others to get what they wanted. Hopefully that doesn't happen in district court. At least not very often. Now like the Justice League in the DC Comics universe, there are probably just a very few of the judges that you could even name. But there's a few of them. Like, raise your hand if you've heard of one of the judges named Samson. Yeah, Samson. Yeah, not a very good guy. Um, there's another one maybe you've heard of, Gideon. Are you familiar with Gideon? Yeah. But there's some others that you probably aren't familiar with, like 
Uh, how many of you are just fired up about the judge named Ehud? He was the very first one, by the way. Ehud. Did you know there was even a woman judge? Her name was Deborah. Yeah? I don't think it was you, was it? No, okay. Just checking. <laughs> yeah, so there's some of them you're familiar with, some whose names you've probably never heard before, but they all came with one purpose. Just like the Justice League in the DC Comics universe, they all had one purpose, and that was to right the injustice that was being perpetrated by the people of Israel. The injustice of abandoning God's principles. The injustice of criticizing God's ways. The injustice of being irresponsible with God's law. But don't we do much the same today? Are we really all that different? In many ways, haven't we also abandoned God's principles? Don't we also, in many ways, criticize His ways? Aren't we irresponsible with God's law? Aren't we also in need of God's justice being restored in our lives, much as the Israelites were? Hopefully the answer in your mind is yes. So, let's talk about this word justice a little bit before I go any further. The uh, word justice gets bandied about a lot. We hear it all the time in the news, don't we? We talk about justice, we talk about injustice, we talk about social justice, we talk about doing justice, we talk about whether or not justice has been served. Whew! We hear about justice all the time. It seems though that there's a lot of different definitions of that word out there. In fact, we tend to take a word um, fairness and think that that means the same as justice. And it doesn't. They're two completely different things. You see, fairness is subjective. It's all about what I think. Do I think something is fair or not? Justice is about what God has put in place. That's objective. It's the truth. Whether I like it or not, it doesn't have any bearing on it. Justice is from God, from the outside in. So, as Christians, how should we think about justice? What's the biblical understanding of justice? Today, I want to give you four aspects of what makes up justice as we find it in the Bible. Okay, If you're a note-taker, this would be a great time to start. If you're not a note-taker, this would be a great time to start. You can do it right in the YouVersion Bible app, by the way. You can take your notes right in there if you want to. All right, so the first aspect of justice in the Bible. First aspect is personal accountability. Personal accountability. What do I mean by that? Well, let's think of it from the standpoint of like the court system. When a person does something wrong, 
there's a person in authority, a judge, um, a king, a ruler, God. There's somebody who assigns a fair penalty for that crime, whatever the crime is. The guilty individual may have been negatively influenced by other people, but the blame can't be shifted. How many of you, I'm old enough, I remember a, a comedian by the name of Flip Wilson. Anybody remember him? And there was a very famous character that he portrayed. Doc, do you know who it is? It was a girl named Geraldine. Yeah, if you remember Geraldine. And Geraldine was, uh, would get into all kinds of situations. And what was Geraldine's um, excuse every single time? The devil made me do it. You remember that? Yeah. Shifting blame. I may have done it, but it's somebody else's fault. They influenced me to do it. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are in the garden, and uh, the serpent comes along and tells Eve, uh, you should eat the fruit from this tree that God told you not to eat from. And uh, did he force her to eat that fruit? No. Eve made a decision. Now, he was certainly trying to influence her, and ultimately did, but it was Eve's choice. Therefore, she and Adam, who chose to eat it as well, had to pay the penalty for that. Okay. Now, in the context of teaching Israel about justice, we go back to the law of Moses. I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 24. This is verse 16. You'll see it up here on the screen. It says, Parents are not to be put to death for their children. And the parents all said, Hallelujah. <laughs> but, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. You see, I can't blame what I do on, well, but you don't understand what my mom did to me and what my dad did to me. I, yeah, okay, I'm sorry, that's horrible. But it's not an excuse. You've made your own choice. Biblical justice requires that individuals be held accountable for their own sin, their own injustice. It also demands that we acknowledge our part in it, that we accept the consequences that come as a result, and attempt to correct the damage. That's biblical justice. And that's aspect number one of four, personal accountability. We have to be personally accountable for ourselves. All right? The next aspect of justice that we find in God's Word is, here's that word, fairness. Yes, fairness is a part of God's justice. However, it is not God's justice. Fairness and justice are two different things. Okay? Keep that in mind. But fairness is a key feature of biblical justice. Being just in this sense, as we talk about this, means not giving an unfair advantage to some people over other people. When we look at the Bible, it uses terms relating to uh, measurements and balances and weights to express this fairness aspect of justice. Back in the time that, of the Old Testament, uh, during this time, people traded with goods like grain and oil, things like that. And there was a natural temptation for merchants to 
give a, a slightly better exchange rate to certain people over other people. Because after all, who would notice, huh? Well, God noticed. He noticed every single time people used an unequal weight or measurement. He noticed every single time someone withheld fair wages from a laborer. In fact, we see it. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 19. Boy, we're in the Old Testament today. Whew, I like it. Leviticus chapter 19, it says, The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. In other words, they're no different than you are. You don't treat someone differently because they come from a different country, have a different nationality, have a different skin color, have a different uh, language, things like that. No, you don't treat them differently. You treat them the same. Love them as yourself. Have we heard that before somewhere? I think it's kind of part of the great commandment. For you were foreigners in Egypt. And then God reminds them, I am the Lord your God. And he says, do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Folks, this sort of injustice still happens. I was reading an article in Forbes, well, it was on Forbes.com, the website, and there was a, um, a quote in there, uh, or a, a section that I wanted to quote for you today. So this comes from Forbes. It said, there is a wealth of research and evidence that suggests that people with more ethnic-sounding names experience bias during the hiring process and are less likely to be called back for roles for which they are qualified compared to their counterparts just because of their name. Consider how this one single example of unfairness or injustice contributes to disparities in things like salary and housing and educational opportunities and on and on it goes. See, justice is not only a matter of the courtroom, it's also a matter of the marketplace. It's not just police officers and judges and lawyers who should be concerned about justice, but every single person who interacts with other people. That means you and me. We have to be concerned with justice. That God's justice is served. Justice demands that we ask the question, is this fair? Not fair for me. Is it fair for the other person? So there's justice aspect number two, fairness, which leads us to the third aspect I want to talk about this morning, and that is collective responsibility. Collective responsibility. Uh, this is one that many modern people struggle to understand to uh, create this uh, false dichotomy, if you will, between collective responsibility and personal accountability, which was the first of the four aspects, right? Collective responsibility and personal accountability. You know, many of us think it has to be one or the other, but it's not. It's both of them together. I want to ask you a question. Are human beings more than just individuals? Yes, say yes. Yes. Yes, we are. 
We're called to be in community together. Mo better together. Not mo better by myself in a cave. We're part of communities. We're part of social groups. We're part of nations. We have influence on one another. Our choices both benefit and harm other people. So, injustice is often this tangled social web that we weave and it touches nearly everyone in society. And that's why God has always held whole families and cities and nations and empires responsible for their collective injustice. When God instructed His people about justice, He told them, to take responsibility for one another's well-being. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil or the injustice of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. You see, justice demands that we take responsibility for our community. It means we speak up against unfairness and mistreatment. It also means that we have to attempt to repair what others, even previous generations, have messed up, what they've broken. We have to take collective responsibility. That's number three. And number four, merciful generosity. Merciful generosity. The um, biblical concept of justice doesn't pit mercy against justice, but ties it all together. Biblical justice is loving, It's merciful, it's gracious, it's generous, and it's restorative, restoring communities. How many of you have heard of a guy uh, by the name of Jesus? Have you heard of him? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah. We do talk about him now and then around here. You see, Jesus considered charity an act of justice. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means when when we provide food or clothing or shelter to those who are truly in need, we're being just. We're practicing God's justice. The justice laws in, in, in Israel included commands like this one from Deuteronomy 24. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, a sheaf, by the way, not a sheep, a sheaf. It's like a bale. You shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. 
One of my favorite books in the entire Bible comes from the Old Testament. It's the book of Ruth. And uh, in that book, there's um, Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, um, and they're both widowed. Um, and then there's a man by the name of Boaz. And I love Boaz. What an incredible individual. He, following what we just read, provided food for Ruth and Naomi. He was caring for the stranger. He was caring for the fatherless, caring for the widow. And then Boaz found out that Ruth and Naomi were his relatives, so he continued uh, providing the justice of God by, by redeeming them. Now, Boaz didn't do these things because he thought Ruth was cute. I think she probably was, but that wasn't his purpose. He did marry her later on, but that wasn't the purpose behind it. He did them because this is what justice looks like. And that's justice aspect number four, merciful generosity. So there you have it. What four, uh, what I believe to be vitally important aspects of the type of justice that God calls us to practice in our daily lives. Personal accountability, fairness, collective responsibility, and merciful generosity. So with all of that in mind, I want to go back to our core verse where we started this morning. Judges chapter 13 and verse 1. Again, the children of Israel did injustice in the sight of the Lord. And what happened? The Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. If you don't want that to happen... Something along those lines, practice justice. You see, just as the judges in the Old Testament were sent to draw people closer to God, just as the judges were sent to draw people closer to each other in community, and just as the judges in the Old Testament were uh, sent to help people to become more of what God created them to be, so have we been called. That's our job as well, to be safe people. If you've read that book by Dr. Henry Cloud, you know exactly what I'm talking about. To draw people closer to God, closer to each other, and to become more of what God has created that person to be. Not more like me, more like what God created them to be. So I want to challenge you today to join the Justice League of God. It's through us, you and me, that others will find true godly justice, which will keep them from a lifetime of oppression and an eternity of suffering. So won't you join me today in the Justice League of God? Let's pray. Father, again, we are just so amazed at your goodness, at your justice. And we understand it's, it's not really what we think it is. It's so much more. 
And so, Father, I just pray that we would look for opportunities. Opportunities to practice Your justice in the lives of other people. And I thank You so much for this time together. All in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.